If you have a copy of God's Word, join with me in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And today we're going to be covering verse 17 in Romans chapter 8. And what I'll do, I'll read starting at verse 12 in Romans chapter 8. It tells us in God's word in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17. Any of children did heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also be glorified with him. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come together now at the time of the worship with the preaching of the word. Lord, we ask you to go before us, Lord. Let your word, Lord, go forth in power that we all are enriched, even for myself, Lord, as a preacher, that we all be enriched with your word. Lord, let us, Lord, see your glory through the preaching of your word. Let us be all as we hear your word. Let us also, Lord, be convicted. Let us repent. And let us be joyful. So, Lord, let your word, Lord, do a work in our hearts at this time. As we leave this place, we can leave this place so encouraged that we met with our God through the preaching of the word. So, Lord, we ask you to, ask you to help us, Lord. Even for me, Lord, I am so weak this morning. I need your strength. I'm nervous. I need your strength. So help me, Lord, so I can preach your word faithfully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have been studying now in the book of Romans for quite a bit some time right now. Uh, and Romans has been laying out the gospel, how important the gospel, the good news is. Some people have heard of gospel music. Some people have heard about preach the gospel. Paul doesn't assume that everyone knows the gospel. So Paul explains what the good news is. And Paul has been laying out that good news already from eight chapter, and what that good news is for the believer and how the good news is for the unbeliever. For the unbeliever is that for them that have sinned against God, that God will judge sin, that everybody has sinned and rebelled. Everybody has went their own ways. They didn't trust God. They have sinned against God. And we learned that the, the ways of sin is dealt. We heard about for all have sinned. We learned all those things about mankind has sinned, so mankind need a savior. So for those that are not believers, they have heard about this great news that they have sinned and they didn't obey God, that God wrath remains on them, and that for them, they die in their sin, that God will punish them forever. 
But also we heard within this Romans text as well about those that have heard the gospel and have responded to the gospel in repentance. Those are the believers. And so Paul is writing this letter to this Roman church. Rome is actually located in Europe continent. Rome is not too far from the Greek empire. It was across the, the water. So Rome is an area that was so far, I think thousands and thousands of miles away from Jerusalem and also Asia Minor. But the gospel of Jesus Christ went from Jerusalem around the world and it hit Rome. And now we see people in Rome professing Christ. And so Paul goes to Rome, I mean, Paul writes to Rome to encourage them. I've heard of what is happening in Rome, that the Roman community is coming to know Jesus and I can't wait to come see you. I'm coming to see you one day to impart more wisdom and encourage you more. So Paul is writing this letter to the Roman church to encourage them, but not just to the Roman church, but also to the Christian church in the 21st century. Even for us, Paul is writing this letter to encourage us because we as Christians, we get weak. We as Christians, we get distracted by things around. So Paul writes this letter with the Spirit of God moving in him to encourage the Roman church, but also encourage us here at Christ's Redeemer Church. So this section right here, how he's going to encourage us right now today, and what he's been encouraging us the last few weeks, he's been encouraging us in the aspect of assurance within the gospel. So Paul dealt with for those that, um, that that didn't know the gospel, for them to need to repent. But also he dealt with those that have came to know Christ. We remind what Christ has done for you. But now he's moving to more of assurance. More of assurance. Because assurance is one of those things that so many Christians forget about. Or doubt. I messed up here in life. Does God really love me? I haven't been to church. Does God really love me? I haven't done these things. So Paul writes this letter for every one of you all, or even myself, that ask these questions that I've done this bad thing. I didn't tell the truth. Does God love me? Paul is reminding us that God do love you in spite of your sins. Because Christ has bore your sins on his body, on the tree. Christ has died for your sins in the past, in the present, in the future. All your sins are nailed to the cross because of what Christ has done. So you can truly believe in Christ even in your shortcomings. That you are assured because of what Christ has done. Christ has adopted you into his family. I was talking to a great theologian uh, from a very, very far place called Star City, Arkansas this week. This theologian was sharing with me about the legal aspect of adoption even in today. I didn't know this right here. That once a person is adopted, they can never be put away from their family again. So once a child is adopted by a family, that family cannot unadopt that child. A person cannot be disowned anymore after being adopted. Now, a person having a biological child, this is their child, 
they can disown their child and put that child up for adoption or foster care and things like that. But a child that has been adopted cannot be disowned, what I've heard from a friend of mine. If that is true, that's a perfect illustration of what is happening in this text. Once a person that is adopted by Christ, they are owned by Christ, they can never be in, again be disowned by him. Right? How about that type of assurance? Once you're in Christ, you believe in Jesus, right? Your shortcomings, your good days, your bad days, doesn't make you disowned by what Christ has done. When he adopted you as a child, he would keep you as a child. No matter how many times you mess up. There's more proof for our test today. No matter how many times, again, I'm not giving you license to get, let me just go do anything, right? I'm not giving license for that. But Paul is letting us know, though, is that for those that are Christians, that are weak and trying to trust Jesus, that are struggling, there's a Savior that's adopted you, that's a Savior that will keep you. So Paul here today, Paul is going to share about the possession for those that have been adopted. Those that have yelled, we talked about Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word. At the time, the, the Christian church, the majority of them would be able to speak Aramaic, which is very similar to Hebrew. But also they use the word Father here as in a Greek word. So Paul mentioned this word in verse 16. I believe he said what? I mean, 15. I think my, was it 15? Yeah, 15. Abba, Father. Abba makes it personal, like Papa. It makes it personal. How Paul even changed and he used the word sons of God. Sons of God, then he used the word children of God. Sons of God dealt with the legal aspect of a church, a child relationship with their father. But now it goes on that children deals with this personal relationship as like my children. So Paul turned from this legal work that Christ has done as we are legally adopted by God because Christ has justified us and has made us right with himself. The legal demands, right, he has legally adopted us, but also now he has a personal relationship with his children. That's why I said children here. And one thing about children Children are heirs. Children are heirs. And how are we going to do We're going to do this in two points today. Children of God are heirs of God. And children of God are heirs with Christ. Some of y'all might be asking, Preston, what's the difference? Isn't Christ God? And what's the difference in here? Isn't it the same thing? Maybe, I, mean, I pray that today that it brings clarity to our text. So jump point number one. Children of God are heirs of God. Look in verse again, when I text verse 17. Any children, then heirs, heirs of God. Paul connects verse 16 and 17 by using the word children. And if you notice, he doesn't tell us children of God like he did in verse 16. Since Paul has already made it clear that these aren't just any type of children in the neighborhood. Paul makes it clear in 16 that. These are children of God. 
These are the true children of God. The one Paul explains in a few verses up. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. These children that are here in our text are the ones that are led by the spirit. These ones are ones that are saying, Abba, Father. They can say, Abba, Father. It's like me going to Six Flags, right, as a kid. I'm walking around Six Flags, and I see different men walking around. I'm looking up and say, Father, Father, Father. And they're me crying. I don't know you. You're not my child. But for the Christian church, for those that believe in Christ, he knows us. And we can truly say, Abba, Father. Abba is his intimate name of Father. So now in verse 17, Paul is moving to make his next point about the benefits of being adopted children of God. We learned that the children of God would never, the children of God would never spend another day without a father. They will have a father for eternity future because they're his children. So again, is it benefits of being a child of someone? One of the benefits of being a child, I mean being a child of someone, that they are heir. One definition I believe a, uh, uh, a brother shared with me this week, heirs are typically defined as to be in a possession of inheritance or to be a possessor. Again, an heir is simply defined as to be in a possession of inheritance or to be a possessor. So when someone dies or father or a parent die, you possess their wealth. Right? Okay, if I was Jacob's child, when they, Jacob, if Jacob passed away, I would inherit a nice camper. Two campers, right? Two campers. So a person as an heir is the one as a recipient of something that their the guardian owns. An illustration of this, this is in 2 Chronicles 21.3. Let me read it for us. Their father gave them great gifts of silver, gold, and valuable possessions, together with fortified cities in Judah. Wow, their father giving them cities and giving them possessions, gold and silver. But he gave the kingdom to Jerome because he was the firstborn. This king right here referring to is Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat gave to his firstborn son, Jehoram, he gave him the kingdom. He gave others, other little smaller little things, but he gave his son, Jehoram, the kingdom. This inheritance was given to his firstborn. Everybody listen to this. Not to all his children, to his firstborn son. So his daughters, they didn't get the kingdom. The secondborn son, they didn't get the kingdom. His thirdborn, fourthborn son, they didn't get the kingdom. Only the firstborn son got the kingdom. But it's different here in the New Testament. 
is different in the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, the son would actually get this inheritance. But it's different in the New Testament here. God does something different for the life of the believer. He made all his children as heirs of God. They get everything that belongs to God. Because God has made us his inheritance. So an heir of God, they get God. God has a father to them. That's exactly what we learn in verse 16. There will never be a time when he's not their father to us. Not just any father, but he's the glorious father. So they have inherited a father because of the work of Christ. Christ, redemptive work. I'm getting their father. The confession talks about this God we get. And as Christians, a lot of times we don't fully imagine and just really embrace of what we get as heirs as we, when we get God. Who God is. God is immutable. Which is God doesn't change. We change. Our mood changes every day. God doesn't change. God is the same God yesterday, forever, and forevermore. If God loves you, he loves you as much as he loved you in the past, he loves you in the present and the future. God doesn't change. God is immense. That his glory is glorious. He's eternal. There's never a time that God didn't exist. He has always existed in eternity past and eternity present. And that we get this same God that always existed before the trees existed, before we existed. Our God existed. He's incom incomprehensible. Once we try to get our finger on God, God blows us away and shows that we don't understand him still. The smartest man that ever lived this earth can never understand who God is totally. Only God himself. He's almighty. Every way of God is infinite. Most holy. He's wise. Family, just, just hear these words. As we believe in Jesus, been adopted by him, this is the same God that has adopted us. It's the same God that's holy. Because if he's holy, he makes us holy. His own glorious, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression. He forgives sin. Taste it upon himself. The rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He hates all sin. And who will be no way, no mean clearly guilty. This God that I just described is the God that is now our Father. And it's our God. And we get Him not just some of the times. We get Him as a Father every single moment of our lives. And not just Him. Look what else we get as heirs of God. In Revelation 21 7, the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be His. God and he will be my son. Guess what the word heritage is? It's the same word we get as heirs and inheritance. For those that are conquered, they will have inheritance. If we go back early into Revelation 21, we can learn more about the inheritance that we get as God, uh, get from God as well. 
the first part of 21.3 of Revelation, Revelation 21.3, God talks about how we get him. Then 4 and 5, he talks about all the things we get in God. Listen to this in Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Not donkeys, rabbits. It's man. The dwelling place where God is with us. He would dwell with them and they would be his people and God himself would be with them as their God. Look at verse 4. What are you going to do in this? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Sin has passed away. No more death, no more sorrow. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. As heirs, we get more than we can imagine because we are heirs. And the great thing about it is that it will never be a time when God take these things back from us. We get them forever as heirs of God. So Christians that are struggling with things in this world, look to all the things you already have. You have God. The, the best thing you ever can imagine, you get God. You have him right now. We can embrace him right now. We can seek him right now. We have God forever. So Christians that are struggling right now, you have God. There's no other being that is describing his glorious way, and we get him. I know some of you might imagine all the wealth and the things LeBron James owned. That one day, if something happened to LeBron James, the things that his sons or his son will to better benefit. Big old million dollar house. Several millions of dollars, a billion dollars. The son's going to get this, going to get this, going to get all these things. Family, wealth, wealth for us, our children of God, we get more than any billionaire can ever get. A billionaire that is lost. Family, we get God forever. We don't have to accept the things in his flesh. In this world, we don't have to accept these things because of things we get in God. These are temporal, temporal things in this world. We get God forever. So for those in here feeling like, I got to get that promotion so I can buy this. I got to get these certain things I can fit in with these people. Family, we have something greater than anything that you ever can buy. We get God. We get God himself because we are children that are adopted by a mutable, wise, and holy God forever. But not only that, the second point here is that we're heirs with Christ and federal heirs with Christ. So we just learned about being heirs to God. Let we get all the things that are in God. Now we see we are fellow heirs with Christ. The Greek word right here for fellow heirs means together heirs. It's together heirs. The same word we use, I think in Hebrew, we talk about this um, co-sufferers. The word that we use was um, Haggai uh, uh, sympathizes. 
with us. Um, it's the same word deals with cold, suffers with us. This same word right here, and the word with heirs, now another word added to heirs, deals with fellow heirs. It's together heirs. So that means Christ is an heir as well. So Christian, how does that make sense? He's the son of God. Like, what's going on here? How is Christ an heir with us? Well, to be honest with you, though, is that Christ is the true heir, not us. He's the true heir. The only reason we're heirs because we are married to Christ. We are the bride, he's the groom, and that's how we are heirs with Jesus because we are married to Jesus as the bride marries the groom. So Christ is the true son of God. This is important. Because think about what was the promise given to in the Old Testament. It was given to Abraham, right? This promise was given to Abraham. That Abraham was going to be the one who's going to have this promise and the blessings upon Abraham. That's what we thought. It sounded like it was everything was on Abraham. But listen to this right here. It tells us in Romans 4, 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he will be heirs of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is adherent, the adherents of the law who are the, to be the heirs. Faith is null and the promise is void. Only those by faith gets the promise. For those that have sinned, for those have, having obeyed God, for them, they have nullified this. But for those that have been obedient, the promise stayed upon. Listen to this in Galatians 3.16. Listen to this clearly. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings with an S, plural, offsprings. Referring to many, but to referring to one. And to your offspring, singular, who is Christ. So the true offspring is Christ. He's a true son. He's a true offspring. Christ is the true heir. He get the promises. The only reason Abraham get this true promise because Abraham is united to Christ. So Christ there, he get the promises. because of him keeping the law. But Christ does the most gracious thing here. He took the sins on upon his people. So think about this again. To be an heir, you have to possess something for someone that have passed away. Right? That's what Christ has done on the cross. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, but Christ dying as the true son dying, the heir can be passed on to the sons. But not just all the sons and children of God. On that third day, Christ was raised back up in glory. And so as Christ is the true heir, we are heirs. Not only we are heirs because what because of we are what he's the what he's the older brother, right? We're heirs because of our union with him as well. 
We see this in several verses. Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 4.7. Therefore you are no longer slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are heir through Christ. Titus 3.7. That having been justified by his grace, we shall become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Another scripture, James 2.5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? Christ is the true heir, but he generously make it a way for us to be heirs right now. So family, what Christ has done, the one that you inheritance belongs to Christ. He doesn't keep it for himself. He let us be a part of it with him. This is the beautiful picture about the being in the union, the union with Christ. I don't know a better passage of scripture that share these, the beautiful picture of our union with Christ than Ephesians 1, starting at verse 4. It says this, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in beloved. In the blood. In him we have redemption. Through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us and all the wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as the plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Listen to all this time you hear the word in him, in him, in him. You have a highlight, you highlight that in your Bible. In him, in him. Look at verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who worked all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13. In him. You also, when you heard the words of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Again, we heard in that in him, in him, in him. This is deals with his fellow heirs of Christ. We get all the things in Christ. We get an inheritance with Christ. That again, our earthly trials doesn't negate all the things we get in Christ. Our earthly trials doesn't negate all the things we get in Christ. That's why the, the great hymn, when it said, it is well with my soul. It's well with us. No matter what may come our way, it is well with us because everything Christ has, we get. We are forever lavished with his sweet grace. We are ever, forever predestined 
Again, if you're dealing with loneliness, if you're struggling with loneliness or singleness, you have more company than you ever can imagine at every single moment of your life. If you feel like you're lonely, my husband or my wife doesn't understand me right now, I feel like I'm by myself, it tells us right now we have someone with us at every single moment of our lives in the midst of loneliness. And I love my wife to death. If I have to marry a thousand times, I'll marry her a thousand times. But I say this right here, though, is that at times I know my wife is like, huh, Creston, again today. But one thing so special about it, when a husband let her down, or when I let her down, or she let me down, one thing great about it, though, is that Christ would never let us down. Christ would be there. So for those that are dealing with some type of loneliness, we can hold on to this test of heirs that heirs are not lonely. Heirs get Christ. You have a God, you have the Father, you have the Son. All the blessings that come with him, you have them all in Christ. And you get them forever. So we get many more things in getting Christ. And I have more time, I can start listing the various things. Wanting to be accepted. So many kids that struggle with behavior problem wanting to fit in. I mentioned kids, right? So many things that struggle with adults as wanting to fit in. The same kid thing kids struggle with today, the same thing grown folks struggle with today. And wanting to be accepted. But wanting people to see what they have, or they wanted the people to see that they're important. Family, if that's you struggling with those things, because I struggle with it, family, may we rest upon what we get in Jesus. He already accepts us for those that believe. We don't have to do anything else for him to accept us. He has already accepted us. When we put our faith in him, we get all of him at the same time. So for those that might get disciplined by a teacher or by a parent and feel like they don't love them, family, our Christ do love you. He disciplined us too, just like a parent and like a teacher. He does it because he loves us. He does it because he loves us to grow us in him. So family, as Christians, we get Jesus. Is it hard? Yes. Next week, Lord's willing, we're going to talk about the hard side of it. We're going to suffer. A part of being heirs, you're going to suffer for Jesus. It's going to be hard. You want to, you're going to want to curse people out. You're going to want to do bad things at the time because of the flesh. But we must suffer for Jesus. We must conquer at every single moment and trust the Lord at every single moment. Let me give a couple of applications as we end here. Ain't Tina starting to blink at me. When life gets overwhelming, And it gets so hard to bear. Remember, there will never be a time we aren't able to say, Abba, Father. Let me say that again. When life gets so overwhelming from surgeries, from health issues, from hard times, when things get so difficult, 
we are reminded of this. There will never be a time you cannot say, Abba, Father. God is our eternal Father during hard times and during good times. You hear that, Cheyenne? So, family, don't forget, you are more than loved. At times, you might feel the love. You might not feel the love from those you expect to love you. You can, spare, you can feel the love from God at every single moment. So we should expect our Father to love us. Because he will love us. Because he is God that is the eternal loving God. So remember that. The second thing here. Don't forget our inheritance we get when we get in Christ. Don't forget about our inheritance we get in Christ. The first thing we get is we get God. We talked about. There's nothing better than God, and we get him. We get the creator that made us, who we get to worship. Every Lord's Day, we get him every day, every single day. Even in glory, we're going to get God. But also we get heaven. We get heaven. And also we get something amazing in Revelation, what, 21? 22, 4 through 21 we shall see his face with all sins going to be put away we're going to get him forever but you might be saying Chris all this stuff is about heaven and we're going to get this later we get God family we get more we get peace we get mercy we get grace we can live in this world knowing that the things in this world are fading away we can truly have joy as Paul had in Philippians. When Paul was arrested, he wrote a book about joy. He wrote a book about joy, rejoicing the Lord always. He's arrested talking about getting joy. Think about you getting arrested for something you didn't do. You're going to jail, your picture's in a newspaper for something you didn't even do. You get mocked, and Paul is not asking for a bail bondsman. He's not asking when to get that out. But what does it say here? Rejoice always. So family, we get this. We get to rejoice because we know hard time God's going to make us more like Jesus. Hard times are not to, to defeat us. When Jordan and Jerry played for Marion, when they went 0-12 as a record, things were hard for them. Them tour days, right? Them days they were pressing several times a week, several times a day. Hard times made them stronger. Hard times made them better. Hard times is not for us to be able to defeat us. Even fixing up a house that you just recently bought. So much work you have to do. But after you do this project, do this project, you better enjoy, you better see the fruits of the labor. Hard times are not made for us to break us. For us Christians, hard time to use to make us more like Jesus. Every single moment to make us more like Jesus. So we can have joy. The last thing I want to say here, for those that are not heirs with Christ, the last thing I want to say, if you're not heirs to Christ, you must be heirs to someone else. You must be heirs of the one, which is the devil. For those that are not heirs with Jesus, 
You will inherit everything that's coming that was coming to, to the devil, which is eternal judgment. Someone shared with me about a funeral they went to yesterday. And they're hoping that a friend life change. Family, when people die, everybody don't go to heaven. You might hear so many funerals, they'll say, rest in peace. Rest in peace. There's no peace done apart from Jesus. There's only peace in Jesus. Because he's our peace. So for those of the heirs, and they're saying they love Jesus, but not have not turned to him and trusted him. God's wrath remains on you. He will punish you. And for those that say they believe and just said it in words, their hearts are not truly trusting and truly committed to Christ. Oh, Judas. Judas, that was one of Jesus' followers. He followed Jesus everywhere. To be a follower of Jesus, you have to profess Christ at one point in time within his ministry. So Judas professed Christ, like the rest of the 12 disciples. But it showed over time that Judas was nothing but a fake. And Jesus knew it from the get-go. But I say here, many of you are coming every Sunday. If you don't know Jesus, turn to Jesus. If you are living in sin, Today is the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus. For those that are believers, right, be encouraged. But for those that are not believers and might have said it when they were young, come. Let us baptize you. We'll love to baptize you. We want you to be a member of this church. But I would say don't live this life being deceived. Turn to Jesus. Amen, amen. Let me, let me pray for us.